Hall of Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. One of our faves, peeps. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Their flagship product, Propolis Throat Spray, is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of Propolis before? It is a powerful, antioxidant-rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 B.C., Okay, so quick story. I have to get my gallbladder taken out tomorrow. I am going to the hospital. I have to sleep over at the hospital. Not a very comfortable thing to do right now. One of the things I promise you that is in my bag right now, I know I say bag weird, I'm Canadian, is the propolis throat spray. I use this every single day. I am obsessed with it. What is propolis? Well, it's not honey. But propolis is made and used by bees to defend their hive from germs. It is the hive's immune system. Um, I'm going to trust that, okay? You can also use the Beelixer Brain Fuel. Also, big fans of this when you want to be your sharpest and coffee isn't the best solution. It makes you jittery, anxious, all that stuff. Take a shot first thing in the morning or before like an important video call to beat brain fog, find your flow, and be on your A-game. We could all use more daily defense right now, and Propolis Throat Spray is a game changer. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Beekeepers Naturals. To save 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash shame to get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Frukbaum, and this is Hall of Shame. Hey, girl. Hey. hey. <laughs> How are you? You know, just <laughs> hanging in. I've been enjoying the NBA a ton. Yes. Baseball, too, but basketball a little more, I'll be honest. Yeah, no, same. Um, I got really emotional today. I cried twice because I was watching this clip. I think that, that a couple of teams have done this now. And maybe even more by the time this video gets put out. But I was watching this clip of all the basketball players getting introduced before their game. And instead of just like the regular announcer, there was clips from their kids at Ugh, home. I saw it. Uh, so I was, it's so, so cute. I was crying watching the Raptors one. It was just so sweet. And then... They like the flash the cameras to the guys on the court, just like the biggest smiles, uh, probably missing their kids and their families so much. Look, the NBA is crushing this crushing. pandemic. They should probably just be our government. Like they're <laughs> killing it. They're like involved in the biggest breakthrough in saliva testing that there's been. Like, and then they're just handling that bubble perfectly. Uh LeBron James for president. I do not hate. I know you love. Mine is Greg Popovich for Prez. Okay. Wow, that's a hard left turn. LeBron for VP. Okay, all right. Because I just don't want to lose, you know, I want to get the tail end of LeBron's career on the court. Oh, okay, you don't want to lose him you out get there. What I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I get it. I'm really excited about today's episode. I think it's going to be really fun. 
Our foray into Olympic shenanigans during the month of August continues this week with a sport that I literally knew nothing about before I started researching. Ooh. And it kind of got me thinking about all the ridiculous sports that exist within the Olympics because there are just truly so many. So I basically went to www.olympics.com and looked at all the sports. I'm going to read off some of the sports and you tell me, you tell me whether they're dumb or not okay? okay dumb not dumb that's how we're gonna Rachel do this. no sports are dumb okay well some might be <laughs> artistic swimming I don't I've never heard of that what artistic swimming is like when they're oh okay, you can't see this swimming? on the synchronized swimming I would assume that that's what this oh, is I, you just called it something I'd never heard it called before maybe My that's bad. what's dumb about it is that it's called artistic swimming now synchronized swimming is hard not dumb it looks really impressive yeah. because you're just thinking about how high they are above the water and you're like oh my god that's just your legs I think that's like that cheer stuff where you watch the documentary cheer and you're like oh these are some legit fucking athletes like I yeah. feel like synchronized swimming that's hard yeah okay not dumb yeah archery I mean hard right I, I don't know I couldn't do it <laughs> okay maybe we shouldn't use the word dumb but just like <laughs> Should it be in the Olympics or should it not be in the Olympics? Mm. I think the archery is just so old school. Like, I don't know why people are still. Right. It's it's interesting because I feel like archery is one of the OG Olympic sports. Okay. So you want you want it in there for like a nostalgia factor. For the, yeah. Okay. The ode to the good old days. Literally. Okay. This is the next one. Literally anything to do with horses. <laughs> <laughs> well. We're out on horses. I think we've already talked about that. Ooh, rhythmic gymnastics. So rhythmic gymnastics is one that I will say I've had a good chuckle about in my day. I Again, like <laughs> I'm impressive, but not nearly as impressive as gymnastics gymnastics. Yeah. I think I still don't really understand what rhythmic gymnastics are about. At my sixth grade graduation, one of my friends was in rhythmic gymnastics, and she performed with the ball and the ribbon wow. uh, dance to Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. She'll be so mad. Okay, so we're saying dumb, and I hope your friend doesn't listen to this. I mean, look, I sort of want to be on the record as saying anyone who's like committing a lot to anything, God bless you. Sure. sure. Rhythmics is one I've certainly never gotten into. Yes, absolutely. Everyone on this list, we're not taking this seriously. We're taking everything in the we're world seriously. We're having a little fun, guys. We don't need to take this podcast seriously. And please, horse girl, whoever you were that tweeted us in the first place, don't tweet us again. Yeah, we know. We we respect and understand, but we're having a little fun. Oh, okay. I think this next one is dumb because it's dangerous. The Tell me. skeleton. Yeah. Wild. Scary. Why yes. are we doing this? And like bobsledding and stuff like that. I've actually went... I went uh, across Canada when I was hosting kids television, another time in my life, and we stopped at uh, like the uh, in Calgary where the Olympics were held one year, uh -huh. but it was the summertime. So all of these, they had like a summer, summery version of all these winter Olympics and bobsled was one of them. They basically put the bobsled on wheels and what? I went down the track with a gold medalist. It's like how they train all summer long for the yeah, Winter Olympics. Yeah, it's really dangerous. It was terrifying. Look, I've seen cool runnings, you know? Okay. I get it. <laughs> that qualifies you to say things are dumb or not. Yeah, I just... I, I will say, though, I'm incredibly impressed by that sport. That's just, like, not dumb because it's, it's, like, just so 
borderline. Dumb because it's scary to us. Not okay to ask humans to do. Yeah. Okay. Two more. Okay. Skateboarding. Should it be in the Olympics? I love to watch it. It is fun, right? It's cool. Yeah. I always wanted to be like a cool skateboard chick when I grew up. Me too. I I wasn't and I'm not, but in some version of myself in my brain, I'm a cool skater lady. Totally. And there's been a longboard in the trunk of my car for, I want to say, four years. And I've maybe ridden it four times. Oh, I have one too. (laughs) Have I not told you stories like my midlife crisis, like right before I turned 40? So at the time, like my little one was one and my big one was like eight. And they were like, let's get ice cream. And my big one wanted to go on a scooter. So I was like, mama's going to go on her skateboard. Five minutes in, eat it so hard I had to go to urgent care. (laughs) (laughs) Because I completely broke my ankle and I was in a boot for a long time. Okay, So we're retiring skateboarding. (laughs) Fun to watch in the Olympics. We are not doing it out in these streets. But I can't call it dumb. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, Okay, last one. Okay. Fencing. Again, I don't know enough about it. I'm excited if that's the one this story's about because that's hilarious. There we go. Perfect segue. It is. I, I knew it. nothing about it. I'm so excited to I'm get into it. I'm such your podcast soulmate. Look at you me. You really are. You yeah. had no idea what, what story I was no. doing before today. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, so let's get into it. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of a man some call the greatest cheater the Olympics had ever seen. A pentathlon athlete, world championship fencer, Boris Onyshenko, also known as Dishonyshenko. (laughs) Rechna, (laughs) any guesses where he hails from? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say Russia. Mm, Close. We'll, we'll get to Boris in a second, but first off, I kicked off my research by just just like simply typing in fencing to Google search, and the suggestions popped up. One of them was, what is the point of fencing? To which I replied, exactly. I'm, I'm going to be a little negative about fencing in the beginning, but we'll all, come, we'll all come full circle back around and we'll appreciate it together. So literally the extent of my knowledge begins and ends with Lindsay Lohan and Parent Trap, okay? Sure. Let me tell you, fencing was actually one of the first sports in the Olympics. It is one of five sports that has been played in every single modern Olympics, along with swimming, athletics, cycling, and gymnastics. So this is like, okay, you know, you talked about nostalgia. This is like Classico and Olympicana right sure. here. Now, I know we all probably know what fencing is, I would assume, kind of. Um, but let me just read a description so we can really... Just drive home how fucking medieval this sport is. So you're given a literal sword that has a little nub on the end of it so you can't actually get hurt. And you uh, essentially have a sword battle. (laughs) Every time you hit your opponent with your sword, you get points. I do not – I mean, tell me a sport – that feels older than that. Sure. That feels like, you know. And also, like, even kids, it's like the first sporty thing they ever do is just jab things with things. Oh, they just, like, pick up sticks and just try yeah. to hit each other. That's true. I looked it up. I wanted to see what the first sport invented was. And it was, like... It was not running? Oh. Well, it's no, it said spear throwing. That was, like, the first competition okay. sport. That's I'm sure like running is right there. And then following that is fencing, probably. (laughs) So 
This is a little sidebar here, but one of my good friends, John, actually fences, which okay. I find fascinating because he's my age. He's 28. I, I He's the only person that I know that has any interest in it or that does it, period. So I needed to reach out to him and ask him, like, how – he's a comedian. Yeah. Like, how the hell are you a fencer who, like, fences – Recreationally. On the regular. Like, he's in tournaments and all this stuff. Wow. So this is this is what he said, which I loved. My orchestra teacher told me to do it because I kept reenacting Lord of the Rings with my cello bows. <laughs> but he talked about how it's exhilarating and you get to wear cool outfits. <laughs> I will say, like, the average fencer probably had less of a hard time adjusting to wearing a mask because they're wearing that whole thing. Exactly. And it was yeah. for, he said it was for the weird athletic kids who like sword fighting. I love that. So yes, exactly. A, gr- a great sport in COVID, Reshna. Love that. Am I getting into fencing? Guys, do we try though? Like this sounds, it does sound. I love Lord of the Rings. You know, I I could pretend to be of a different time. I went to Renaissance Fair once and it was a blast. Yeah. I'm here for this. Fencing and eating meat with your knife. Have you been, have you been to a Renaissance Fair? I haven't. Oh, dude. Oh man. It's the most fun. You like walk in the gates and Uh there's like this costume tent and you're, (laughs) this sounds so disgusting now, but you're, they're (laughs) probably not washed and you just go in and you find like a corset that fits. Like everyone's like dressed as like a beer wench or like a knight or like whatever. I love that. And you wear these like scandalous sometimes outfits where your boobs are just like on display. It's amazing. Um, And you drink a ton of beer and you eat turkey and it's so much fun. It's like um, that restaurant. Where you sit and watch the medieval times. Medieval times. The first time I went to medieval times when I was younger, I cried because I was so scared because I thought the fights were real. (sighs) Anyways, let's get on with the show. (laughs) Okay. I, by the way, am so on board with fencing now. I'm pretty interested in watching this. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get to Boris. Boris Onoshenko was born in 1937 in Ukraine which at the time was a part of the Soviet Union. And just quickly for some context, Boris grew up under Joseph Stalin and his communist dictatorship. The state of the country was bleak at best and poor (laughs) with virtually no opportunity to better your life. However... I thought that this was interesting. Being an athlete did win you respect and and prestige. Athletes often were used for propaganda in the country. Mm. A kind of like, look how normal and healthy and powerful we are. And and lucky for Boris, growing up, he was just one of those like super athletic kids. Kind of sure. like, you know, kind of like you and me. Like we were just like <laughs> just had like these me, muscles. You, Boris. LeBron. Just shredded, just yeah. like could skate. We could just like pick up a skateboard and ride it if we wanted to, you yeah. know? Sure. He was a great swimmer. He taught swim lessons when he was younger. And as he got older, he became very interested in a thing called modern pentathlon, which is similar mm-hmm. to a triathlon, but a modern pentathlon. I hope I'm saying that right, but I don't think that anyone's going <laughs> to come after me for it. Is so. A modern pentathlon is comprised of five events, so freestyle swimming, 200 meter, equestrian show jumping, pistol shooting, cross-country running, and our favorite, fencing. Hmm. My question is this. How in the world is one person good at those five incredibly different things? It's said that each element is supposed to be a skill of a perfect soldier. Oh, interesting. I, it made me think like there probably like 
adventurers and stuff. Like that's all the stuff you had to be good at, right? Just be able to like ride a horse, run a far distance, swim, shoot a pistol, swim and fight, swim and fight. A perfect soldier. Hmm. So I'm looking this up thinking, this is so old school, the modern pentathlon. And this had to have been cut from the Olympics in like the 70s because this is just, it feels old. Mm-hmm. This is still an Olympic sport sure in is. 2020. And to be honest, along with fencing, I would watch this. Yeah. It sounds insane. Insane. I am very on board with this. So our guy Boris gets very into it and enters his first world competition in 1967 at the World Modern Pentathlon Championships. Mm-hmm. By the way, in pentathlons, you are actually on a team of three, sort of like gymnastics. You compete as individuals and as a team. So the gotcha. score from their individual events are combined for their cumulative team score. Yes. And medals are awarded to the individual and to the team. Right. Multiple ways to win, baby. Multiple ways. Okay. And if you're as interested as Retchen and I are listening to this podcast right now, this is actually a year-round sport. So if you want to join us in becoming fans of this weird-ass shit, let's do it. Do we travel? Do we travel to a tournament? Yeah, in like 2022 or whenever we're allowed. 2027? (laughs) Yeah. So Boris's first international competition in 1967 at the World Pentathlon Championships in Sweden, the Soviet team won bronze. So like literally his first big thing. He was a part of a winning team, which I thought was cool. The following year, he's off to his first Olympics in Mexico City, where his team won silver, but the Soviets didn't get any individual medals. So like literally from the get-go, isn't that just the greatest thing when you pick something up and you're automatically good at it? This This guy was winning medals at this thing. Amazing. So going into the 1972 Olympics in Munich, his second Olympics already, Boris was ready for that individual gold, okay? There were years of him like just missing it, placing second and third. So Boris and the Soviets were perhaps like more determined than ever at this point. Boris, in fact, was favored to win in the individual medals. People were like, ooh, shit, this is Boris's year. Right. After four events, he was leading the pack, After four events, he was leading the pack, but in the running event, the Hungarians took the lead and knocked Boris out of his individual gold. Motherfuckers. Placing him in second. Fucking Hungarians, you know? Fucking Hungarians, dude. And though the Soviet team won gold, okay, they won gold for the overall thing, Boris was still pissed. He really wanted that Mm -hmm. individual gold. Gotcha. He's a competitor. Okay, you're competitive. You're a competitive queen. I got it. The funny thing is he wasn't pissed that he lost the running competition. He was pissed because he thought he deserved a higher score in the shooting competition, a competition he won. He did win, but apparently the judge missed his first shot and he had to do it over again, which I think is hilarious because um, judge Howard, people are shooting pistols. How are you taking a like, what are you doing that you're not paying attention? The judge was like looking around like who farted (laughs) and missed it. I'm sorry. Did anybody smell that? Somebody just just farted? just me or? Oh, shit. We missed Boris's first shot. Oh, we got to pay attention to the the literal guns in front of us. Okay. If someone could let me know who farted, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Just write it down on a post-it. You don't have to say anything. I know it's embarrassing, but just like let us know. So then comes the 1976 Olympics in Montreal, Quebec. Yeah. Boris was actually rated fourth in the Soviet Union while they were qualifying, and there were only three spots in the team. Dun, dun, dun. So, Boris the competitive fencer that we know and at this point still love. 
he went and won himself a gold medal in the world championships leading up to Montreal so that he could be pushed ahead and he got that final third spot on the team. How pissed was the guy in third that got bumped down like just last minute? I was supposed to go to Montreal, Boris. He's like, I already told my whole family. They bought shirts. (laughs) Now what? They have mugs with my face on it. So here's the deal. Okay. Old Boris going into this Olympics is 39 at this point. Wow. This is his third and probably final Olympic Games. And to be honest, like, you're not going to be able to ride horses, swim, run, fence, and shoot guns forever, my dude. Like, you got to get this shit done when you can. Mm -hmm. So I think he was really feeling the pressure, as one would. Not to mention he almost didn't even make the cut for the team. So maybe he also had a chip on his shoulder. So there's a lot going on here. Now, Boris's specialty, like I said, was fencing. He was super skilled in this position. So when the Soviet team came out of the first event, which was horse riding... The Soviet Union was in fourth place, 76 points behind Britain. It was then time to head over to the fencing competition. And, of course, all eyes and probably pressure was on our guy Boris. Okay. It's his time to shine. In the fencing section, you fence every single guy once in 46 touch bouts. So first hit wins. And bouts are over after someone is hit. First hit wins. These little dinky swords are actually electronic. So when you register a hit, it automatically goes up on the scoreboard. Okay. Fun little aside, I read that these guys wear the the white suits because back when it was – before it was all wired and fancy, they used to put red chalk or something on the tip of their swords. Oh, that's smart. So you could see if you got hit Exactly. So that you would see – you'd be able to see on the white suits if you were hit. Um, And then they went with red, obviously, to signify blood, because why the fuck not at this point? Because it's a medieval sport. You're fighting with swords. Sure. And cages on your face. So, okay. Uh, So Boris heads into the fencing section, knowing his team is already down. The pressure is turned up to full volume, and I will tell you exactly what happens after this short break. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Molson Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pride to the simple things in life in an iconic glass bottle. Big or small, these are moments within every day worth celebrating. Celebrate with Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. This summer, Miller High Life will raise a can to celebrate summer's simple moments with limited edition champagne cans. Find these limited edition cans in store now. Simple summer moments don't have to be big to call for a celebration. In fact, these days, I am celebrating maybe the most simple of things, like wearing a bra or wearing matching socks. Actually, who am I kidding? I I don't think I've ever done that in my entire life. I love Miller High Life. I got some guys. Somebody rang the doorbell the other day, and there were three beautiful, glistening cases of Miller High Life. And it is just the perfect drink for summer. I'm redoing my backyard. That's the sound effect of a beer opening. You get it. It's quality beer within everyone's reach, created to bring pride to the simple things in life. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hall of Shame is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against some obstacles like lots of applicants, but difficulty finding the right ones for your job or finding time to hire while running your business, plus trying to ensure workplace safety. 
That's why you need ZipRecruiter on your team. No matter the industry, healthcare to manufacturing to business services, ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com shame. First, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology hustles for you to find people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. In fact, check out this stat. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So add ZipRecruiter to your roster to help you win the hiring game. To try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com shame. That's ZipRecruiter.com S-H-A-M-E. ZipRecruiter.com shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Sunbasket. Listen, guys, if you are looking to reduce unnecessary trips out, which I think we are all doing right now, and you are also trying to avoid sold out grocery stores, again, not my favorite place, then check out Sunbasket. It is a perfect and delicious solution for the times we are living in. I really love just not leaving my couch or my house and staying in my pajamas all day. And I don't want to go to the grocery store. I don't want to be around other people unless they are soaked in some kind of Purell situation. And that's not happening. So that's why I love Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers fresh, healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. Sunbasket has delicious recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient and everything pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a dinner full of organic, fresh produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Another reason why I love this, I suck in the kitchen. I don't know how to cook. I have no interest in it. This makes it easy. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of meals to choose from so you can try mouth-watering dishes such as hoisin steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, Roasted salmon with miso glazed eggplant, black bean tostadas Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry now. You can order from any meals across their menu, skip a week whenever you need to, or even double up on your favorites. It's simple and easy with no gotchas. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com shame and enter promo code shame at checkout. That's sunbasket.com shame and enter promo code shame at checkout for $35 off your order. sunbasket.com shame and enter promo code shame. Okay, we are back and we are still talking about fencing. Thank you. Boris came out strong on the first day. He beat his first opponent from Britain who said he was expecting to lose against Boris. Love the honesty. Love a Brit, a self-deprecating Brit. You love it. Classic. So then came another member of Team Britain, Adrian Parker, who also said he had expected to lose as his specialty was swimming. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, the coach is like, guys, shut the fuck up. Stop saying, <laughs> stop like giving him the advantage of like knowing that you're afraid of him. You're an Olympic athlete. Can you have like a little <laughs> bit of confidence? Yeah. Just be like, maybe like a little bit more competitive. Thank yeah. you. What is happening? So they started the bout. Boris lunged at him. Okay. And the buzzer went off, signifying a hit. Now, this was strange because Adrian swore he wasn't hit, as did Jim Fox, who was the British team captain who was watching on the sideline. There was no hit. They were, like, yelling at the ref. The okay. ref stopped the bout to inspect Boris's sword but couldn't find anything wrong with it. So Boris kept the point, and everyone moved on. Next bout. 
Now it was Fox's turn to spar Boris, and he wanted to test this out for himself. He was he was really suspicious because apparently these guys had met plenty of times in competition. Fox even considered Boris to be a buddy of his, so he was just like, that was weird. Okay. I need to see if this is going to happen again. So the bout began, and right away, Boris took this, like, huge lunge at Fox. Like, baby was trying to get this over and done with. Fox leaned so far back. Like, he was almost prepared for this kind of thing. Well, I'm sure he was. He's a fencer. Fox leaned so far back, like Matrix style, I'm imagining, that it would have been impossible for Boris to actually hit him. Gotcha. Like, I think in his head, he was just like, I need to do something so outrageous Mm -hmm. and really test this guy. For it to be incredibly clear. Incredibly obvious. Fox said, I was still outside hitting distance when I picked up Boris's blade really high before his blade was anywhere near me, his blade was above my head, and I smacked my sword into his chest, but the light was already on against me. So I know that's hard to envision, but basically he he hit Boris before Boris hit him. And yet he was the one who was tagged. Boris already won. He was like, what the fuck just happened? Crazy. That's why you need that red chalk. See if you had that red chalk. See if we went back really old school. Mm-hmm. It's said that there was a Canadian coach on the sideline who was telling the boys on his team to keep an eye out for Boris. He said Boris was so fast you couldn't even see it. Canadians. So wholesome and pure. Just never thinking <laughs> so anyone's innocent. doing anything wrong. <laughs> never could imagine. Yeah. This moment was so egregious and outrageous that Boris was like, oh, Boris even called me. He was like, whoops, my bad. Let me, let me switch up my swords real quick. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Wasn't that weird? Oh, my God. Anywho. Does anyone know? Who farted? <laughs> <laughs> we need to get down to who farted, though, you guys. Like, I know that was crazy. That but was weird, but Let's right? focus on the real issue at hand. Somebody is pooping their pants yeah. up in here. <laughs> so now the ref asks for Boris to hand his sword over so he can inspect it a second time, but like a little more closely. Right. Boris tried to hand him a totally different sword. And the ref was like, mm, no. Boris. Yeah, come on. Good at a lot of things, not at cheating. Yeah. So Boris hands him the real sword. The committee finds the sword faulty, but doesn't assign any wrongdoing to the team or to Boris himself. They just have a few points deducted and everyone moves on. So Boris, with his new sword, goes on to win eight out of nine bouts. Like, he still cleans up. The British team captain, James Fox, is still hella pissed. He files a formal complaint and demanded an even more thorough inspection of the sword. So a third inspection of Boris's sword. Yeah. In that thorough inspection, they discovered that it had an elaborate wiring system where inside the grip, Boris would press a button with his pinky (gasps) finger and that is what would register a hit. So Boris would like make this crazy lunge, click it with his finger, and then it would register and he would win. Crazy. Shit hits the fan. Boris tried to deny it, but he was the only left-handed fencer in the room. So, I mean, it just didn't work. (laughs) The Soviet Union, in the biggest twist of the story, weren't behind this. This was a solo act of deception. Okay. The Soviet Union were just as surprised and just as pissed at Boris as the Brits. Now, we, we all know... Okay, we all know the Soviets and Russia are known for state-sponsored doping. Mm-hmm. But fun fact, that actually really didn't start until the 1980s. Could this have been the first mm. the first cheater? 
Their first cheater. Wow. So cute. They were innocent at this time. How cute. That's what gave them the idea. That's so sweet. Boris is an inspiration. (laughs) And it wasn't just his team that was like upset about this whole thing. Apparently the USSR volleyball team had threatened to push him out of a window. They thought he had brought shame onto their country. So get this. Boris had to be smuggled out of the Olympic Village on a freaking motorboat. Is he James Bond? (laughs) What goes on? That's thrilling. It is kind of exciting, right? I love that like just before we entered like three straight decades of them cheating and everything in the Olympics, the the volleyball team was like, we are full of honor. Yeah. They are (laughs) horrified at Boris. Good for them. You love to see it. Boris's teammates actually were allowed to stay and continue in the competition, which is, I think that's cool. Okay. They didn't feel like they were connected. Yeah, but it wasn't enough. Britain struggled a bit after all this drama, especially Fox, because these guys were like buds. Like he felt like, oh, that sucks. My my buddy is a cheater. But Britain had this like epic comeback and ended up winning gold and Ah, we love a worthy comeback. Happy ending. So here is Fox talking about the incident. Take a listen. In the Olympic Games, there are an awful lot of pressure, not even in a country like Russia, and in our own country too, a lot of pressure to do well. And um, I, I suppose he, I don't know, he just panicked and thought he could get away with it. He thought he could get away with it. So I, I really wonder how long Boris was doing this for and not yeah. getting caught. So our guy Boris was in deep shit with his sure. country. Like, sure, you can you can run away on a motorboat now, but you won't be able to run away on a motorboat forever. <laughs> he was actually summoned before the Communist Party leader. I'm going to fuck this up. Leonid Brezhnev. Seems good. Leonid, Leonid Brezhnev to be reprimanded. Reprimanded. Whatever that means. And was fined 5,000 rubles. I have no idea what that was back in the 70s, but today it's like $68 US. So... <laughs> Also, there wasn't more detail about what it meant to be reprimanded by the Communist Party. Right. But yeah, I don't want to know, actually. Unclear. Yeah. It feels like reprimanded could go anywhere from like completely celebrated all the way to like in jail. Like I have no idea what that means. Well, after the punishment, Boris was never seen nor heard from again. What? That is until... Sports Illustrated earlier this year wrote this like kick-ass article on this, which I highly recommend reading. It's really good. And at the beginning of it, they actually got in touch with Boris, who immediately wanted to get off the phone and never speak with him again. They're like, (laughs) how the fuck did you get my number? But this is what he said, Rajnam. It's a painful wound for me. I don't want to trouble myself and you as well. I don't want to exculpate myself. I don't want to talk about who I am, bad and good. I'm very thankful for your care, but I refuse to cooperate with you. Why is that me literally anytime Spectrum calls my house? (laughs) (laughs) So shit. Okay, so a couple of things here. First off, I'm a little disappointed in him because he clearly, like, he switched up swords and then he won the eight out of nine bouts. Like, he's an incredibly athletic guy that's so gifted at fencing. I really don't think that he needed all of this stuff. But I I feel like, which is this part sad, like, maybe he was, like, a victim of the win-at-all-costs Soviet regime. Like, you know how th- those guys totally. treated him after he, he cheated. They wanted nothing to do with him. So he was just, like, that desperate 
for an individual gold medal, he did everything for it, including throwing away his life's work. Like, Yeah, like he was so good. He had a lot to already be proud of. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere, like in the Soviet Union, if you were a, if you were successful at the Olympics, you got more money, you got better better right. housing, like you were sure. truly treated way better yeah. than like the average citizen. So I feel like some of that. I mean, then you get it. If it shifted your entire life, I understand that. You totally. I, I think that I would maybe do whatever it takes to win at all costs as well. Yeah. Soviet Rachel is very different from Canadian Soviet Rachel. Soviet Rachel is you know? very different from Canadian Rachel. Um, but yeah, it, that, that's uh, this This truly could be. Maybe we discovered it. This could truly be like the first cheater of like that part of the he world. ignited a whole era. Russia was all of a sudden like, we like that guy's style. Like, we're going to cast him away, but take his methods. <laughs> So I think that what we've gathered from this story is that um, I would like to try fencing. I'm so sorry that I doubted it for even a second because after researching it, I was just like, this is actually kind of cool. And I want to watch the modern pentathlon. Like that sounds cool. Cool as hell. Insane. Yeah. (laughs) Just riding horses and shooting pistols. (laughs) That's what I like to do. Anyways, that's our story this week. It was a good one, huh? That was so good. I also love it when we get to go down a rabbit hole of a sport we don't know as well. So thank you. That's what I really love to do because um, there's so many – I mean, even in the top of this episode, there are so many uh, sports in the Olympics that I'm not super familiar with. And I'm sure if we did a study on any of them, we would by the end be like, oh – deeply impressive because I just think anything that requires that much work I think so and and it's also you you've got that specialty in you that makes you a superior athlete like Rechna and I like we've chosen to get into podcasting because our Olympic sport is this podcasting we just like weren't interested in in the other stuff you know we just wanted to do our own thing it's just our natural talent yeah and so (laughs) <laughs> All right, girl. Well, uh, how about we pop on our skateboards and I'll meet you and we'll just like go for a shred. Okay. Go for a shred. Is that what they say? Go for a rip? Shred it, shred it up. Shred the gnar. Go for a shred. Yes. I'm, I'm positive, Rachel. That's what they said. All right. Well, I hope you guys out there are, are going for a shred and we'll see you next week. Bye. Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. 